Hello, and welcome to the 11th episode of the High Side News Podcast. Today's podcast is being recorded at 10.40am on the 3rd of May. Over the weekend, we had the Spanish Grand Prix and also the second round of the BSB Championship, which my two co-hosts attended at Alton Park. Joining me today once again is Short Shift News' owner and author, Dawn Hammersley, and MotoGP esports rider and Short Shift News author, Jack Hammersley. Jack, I hope you're doing well, mate. How was your time at Alton Park dealing with some uni work? Yeah, it was fun doing a lot of work, filming the team and doing interviews, but uh, the weather wasn't great as well. Thankfully, in the second day, it was a bit better, but it was a fun day out after missing Silverstone. Yeah, Dawn, I hope you're good as well. You you attended Silverstone. Uh, I was there as well. Um, how was your time at Alton Park? How did it compare to your weekend at, at Silverstone? Um, I think I enjoyed Alton a little bit more. I was there for the two days and um, the team were actually in a tent in the, the paddock, so everything was quite compact. So we were sort of right on top of everything. So it was a bit more interesting, really. But yeah, the weather was a bit of a downer, but they say it's nothing more. We don't expect, unfortunately, living in England. Yeah, the uh, the weather didn't look too great, but the racing looks good from what I saw on TV, and we'll get onto that in a in a bit. But first of all, we should probably look at the main racing of the the weekend, really, from around the world of MotoGP, uh, taking place from Jerez for the Spanish Grand Prix, the fourth round of the season, um, the return to Europe, where results should get more normal, and. One rider who said his results would get back to normal when he came back to Europe was uh, Francesco Bagnaia, who had a horrid time in Argentina and America, it's safe to say, when you look at the the main uh, feature-length races. Whereas he managed to turn it around this weekend. Uh, a first place in the, the feature le- uh, the feature race, which is his, his first win in the, the full distance since Portimao, and uh, a second place in the sprint. Jack, what did uh, you think of Peco's performance? I thought he was very strong, especially after really struggling in on Friday with the front end. He just kept his kept calm, worked hard with the team to make sure the bike to transform that bike into the into the feeling he wanted. And in the sprint race, he just did a great job, just getting the best points he could. And then on Sunday, having to deal with all kind of shenanigans with race direction and leak dropping positions and all the stuff to. Be setting the pace that he that he was at the end of the race was quite astonishing. Just um, a testament to what he he wants to do in this season. I think. Yeah, um, we'll get on to the the race direction stuff in a in a bit after we've we've discussed some riders because it really, I think it affected the racing quite quite massively, or it affected how the fans saw the racing. Um, Dawn. Peko Bangaya. I know we spoke uh, before, it might have been last week, might have been two weeks ago now, about how we were hoping it was his one-off uh, sort of bad performances in Argentina and America. Um, would you say he's proved us correct in that point with how he's displayed himself at Jerez, on the, especially in the sprint and the and the main race? Yes, definitely. And I sometimes think that Peko deals with racing sometimes a little bit better, perhaps if he's not leading the race for most of the way. And he's having to fight. Perhaps he's not overthinking things. He just knows he's got to get past the next person in front of him. And it just really seemed to me that he dealt with it very well. And, and the fact that he did have to claw his way to the front of the pack a little bit more than just from the off oh, leading the race. So I think that could be perhaps something that's that's in his mind and he's overcome it now. Yeah, it really um, nearly was 
perfect Peko once again, like we've seen in the past. But uh, Jack, the Red Bull KTM factory team, a solid weekend from all three riders that were were with them, really. Um, Brad Binder, we'll, we'll start straight with him because we're probably going to talk about all three because they all had good weekends. Um, one in the sprint race, becoming a bit of a, a master of sprint races now, really. And second in the in the main feature race. I have to say, I didn't expect it. And this always happens with Binder, and I always say it. I don't expect it. I overlook him going into weekends, and he'll pull something out of the bag. What did you make of watching Binder's performances at Haraf? I thought it was just incredible, like the way he was stopping into turn six and just how fast and consistent he was. He'd, and he had to go, he, and him and Pecco, you know, very easily on Saturday morning, it could have gone all wrong, and these two could have not had the results they had, having to go through Q1. But the date they get both got on the second row, and I don't know what it is with that KTM, but it just launches off the line. <laughs> <laughs> and with Brad's natural aggressive nature, and he can overtakes on a worry and he can outbreak anyone so defending wise he's okay as well and yeah it was just a great performance by Brad all around and I did not expect to get for him to get first and a second uh, this weekend but I think that's just Brad's nature just he he turns up and he gets the results out of nowhere and he just establishes himself as probably one of the best riders on the grid. Yeah that KTM is a bullet off the line and it really showed when compared to even the Ducatis and the Aprilia, which was also up there as well. Uh, Dawn, Jack Miller, one of Binder's teammates for this weekend. He was sensational as well. Uh, a podium in both the sprint and the, the main race. Uh, third place in both of them. Uh, his first proper podium, you could say, in a, a normal race with, with KTM at Haref. Uh, you have to say that the people who doubted Jack Miller going to KTM may be wrong at this point. Would you disagree? Would you agree with that? Yes, definitely they're very wrong. And he's such a talented rider and he's in a happy place. And so I think it, um, his wife said that if he won a race, he could perhaps buy a new boat. So I think he's halfway there now. <laughs> but no, he's done brilliantly and he just seems to have slotted in the team. Him and Brad seem to work very well together. And yeah, they're, they're just taking the championship by storm at the moment and nobody saw it coming. Yeah, um... You look back at, at testing results and Jack and Brad were both like right towards the bottom, especially at Portimao. And that was a worrying sign, I'd say, at the time. But um, they've turned it around. I think they're second in the team's championship as well, thanks to the two of them. And, I mean, one person you could thank for developing the bike and still developing it at Haref, Danny Pedroza, wild-carded at Haref. And I have to say, I think he made a lot of people... Very happy to see Danny Pedroza back. You see the Spanish fans before the race when they had the riders parade and they were just, I guess you could say, serenading Danny before the race and you could see that he was a proper hero to them all. And he's a legend. There's there's no other way to put it about Danny. Best rider to never win a MotoGP title. And he came back with a bang, didn't he, Jack? Top in FP1, which I didn't see coming. Uh, put it sixth on the grid. And looked like he could challenge for the podium. Maybe lacked that sort of killer instinct that he would have once had. But a sixth and a seventh place, not a bad result for Danny. No, I mean, FP1, I wasn't surprised he was fast because of him doing testing not that long ago at the circuit. And with the amount of laps he would have done there, you would have thought the base setting would be pretty much perfect for him. But um, I was definitely expecting a top 10 and he delivered even better than that. I feel like he just missed out on um, maybe the opening laps. Just um, with everyone being so aggressive these days, he just wasn't 
and him being out of the fight for a couple of years after you know he's only had the Red Bull ring once so in five years so I think that was bad but apart from that he had he showed great pace and rhythm he's just did an overall uh, great job yeah that's one thing that still surprises me when anyone says it Danny Pedroza has been retired for five years that it just to me that just baffles me that it was the end of 2018 that we said, well, at the time, it looked like goodbye to Danny because he didn't seem interested in test riding then. But it almost makes you wonder what Honda might have missed out from by sort of letting him go to KTM as a test rider and not sort of trying to persuade him to stay in the Honda family because we'll, we'll talk about Honda. Um, Where do you really start with our weekend? Again, wasn't great. You have no standout rider, really. Uh None of our riders got a point in the sprint race. Their top performer was Alex Rins in 13th place. And in the main race, Taka got a top 10, which actually might be his best result of the season so far. A ninth place for Taka. Um, Bradle got 14th. And Ike Laquona was riding in as a replacement for um, Mark Marquez. But Joanne Mia, Dawn, I'll go to you to speak to Joanne Mia about Joanne Mia. Awful season so far. Just adding to his his crash tally every weekend. Uh, crashed at both the sprint and the main race. What are your thoughts on Mia's move to Honda? Because it's looking like a nightmare so far. Oh, definitely. I bet he's he's just like wake up every morning, think, please Suzuki come back. But I think he actually crashed in every session. It seemed like that when I was watching it over the weekend. But I just don't know what he, what he can do to change anything. But he's definitely not jailed with that bike. I know before he moved there, uh, his old uh, crew chief, Frankie Carcetti, was saying that he would suit the Honda, that the braking style of the Honda would suit him. And uh, I don't know if it's the, the bike or just the fact that he's not gelling with it right, like Rins had at, at Cota and how he was riding it there. But things, Jack, just aren't looking good for Honda. And I think we're saying this every week at the moment. They, Apart from America, where we had that, that one standout Rins, in the sprint and the main race but it just doesn't look like it's getting any better they had the uh their new chassis that was made from calyx at the test which bridle crashed riding apparently um which isn't surprising with bridle but um yeah doesn't seem to be light at the end of the tunnel really from for honda now does it jack uh, well race wise it was terrible because it just seemed like the moment they'd any weight would lift off the front it would just wash out so but for when I was just trying to look at the times Brada was setting, assuming it was race, it was a race run with race fuel and tyres, the, the race pace was actually quite good for Brada. He was like low to mid 38, which is the pace that was was set for a little bit by Paco and Co. So, and me, you know, they've said that the, the, the bikes improved with the Calic chassis, but I think they will fully understand with when Rins gets to test it as well as Marquez whenever he's back. Well, I think this Calic chassis might be the first step forwards, but we will we'll have to just find out when we get to Le Mans, if they use it Le Mans and etc. I do think it's crazy, and I've said this to a few people now, that the great HRC have gone to Calix to make them a chassis. Like that's sort of the dire situation that you can see they're in at the moment. They were all conquering in the past. And now it's it's got to hurt their ego. Surely it has at this point. And 
uh, it's just it's just yeah it's just something i'm not used to seeing growing up in like the repsol honda sort of era of great riders of rossi pedroza hayden stoner marquez it's not normal and it's weird to say sort of every week honda are going to be nowhere and that's the only way i can see it going until like jack's just said this calic chassis if they bring it at le mans could be a savior maybe for them but we'll see if the riders still continue to crash on it um another manufacturer worth or rider worth pointing out just having a look through the list now um martin had a decent weekend actually compared to how he had been doing had been crashing recently dawn two fourth places not a bad result for martin uh second top ducati in both races so yeah not a, not a bad showing from martin in spain really yeah a good showing from him um i'm i just keep expecting him to get that that sprint race win really because of how sharp and quick he is in the in the opening laps but yeah he must have been pleased with that um two solid race points for him in both races hmm. um the other another Ducati team who are still top of the team championship i believe mooney vr46 jack they didn't have a great time in Haref. um Bezeki especially didn't have a great time in Haref when you look at how his weekend went um got taken out was it at the start of the sprint race was that his yeah. one that he was yeah he was involved in that one the start of the sprint race finished ninth in that so got one point because he was allowed to restart after some real confusion and then didn't finish in the main race so only one point for Bezeki this weekend disaster of a weekend for for Bez the, the former championship leader well you have to say so because you know um for the team team as a whole they would do up to, up until uh, this weekend, they were the only team to score a podium in every single weekend, really. So, uh, yeah, that's now gone. Bez just had a seem to have a nightmare, and the end of the the Grand Prix, he just lost the front of a very strange crash. So it seems like maybe when Paco Paco's words have just said it's not his fault, but all these Ducati crashes seem very similar. The front just washes out with sort of no warning. So maybe that's something the Ducati just need to look into. But, I mean, Lucas sort of salvaged the weekend, kind of. You know, he got sixth place, strong finish. Um, so I think what we've just seen is the fact that I've I've seen, if Peck went to have crashed in Termas and Kota, his lead at the championship would be like 60-something points after four rounds, which is sort of scary. And it sort of shows that Pecco really is the only consistent rider currently in the, in the championship. But I think the, the Mooney guys all... They did top the test. They got one, two in the test. So they go to Le Mans with high hopes to try and get back on the box. Yeah, we have to remember as well, they're still really a relatively new team to, to MotoGP. And what they're doing at the moment anyway is incredible. Um, Valentino Rossi was there supporting his team. Maybe not a good luck charm for the team with how the weekend went compared to how they had been doing without him. But it was good to see him there on, on the grid and uh, seeing pictures of him around the paddock. But you look at the championship, Jack, you were just mentioning it. Peko Bangaya has a 22-point lead now. And then it's very close between Bez and Brad Binder, who are second and third. And then Jack Miller's in fourth, which is one that always surprises me. Again, KTMs, I'm just forgetting they're there, really. And Maverick Vinales in fifth. Maverick... I I didn't really notice him much around Haref, which may be, you know, maybe an understatement for how Maverick did. He was it sort of just seemed like old Maverick's coming back. The the 
can't start a race. Maverick Vinales is getting in his head again. Did must have done about God, how many practice starts did he do through the weekend? Must have been about ten. Every any time, any time, so every run he did coming out the pit lane in every session, plus the practice all at the end of the session. So you're looking about four per session. <laughs> so yeah, and quality as well. You do just a little less. Yeah, Maverick was. There was a lot of practice starts for Maverick this weekend, and still his starts weren't really great, especially when you compare him to the KTMs, who, okay, were in a league of their own when it came to starting, but was unlucky not to finish the main race, Maverick. His chain jumped off, which <laughs> was something you don't really see very often, and was seventh in the sprint race. Dawn, Maverick Vinales, I... There's there's something going on mentally that he still needs to sort. Is what I what I think personally. What what are your thoughts on Maverick at the moment? Yeah, I, I just think he's he's going to be one of them riders that's just never really going to ever do the championship thing. He's like you say, he's fourth in the championship. He's there or thereabouts, but I don't even see him getting a race win this season. No. Mm. You always think that Aleish is the stronger of the two riders. He's always up there. He'll push and push. Where Maverick, he, he sometimes, to me, just seems happy floating around 9, 10th. But it was unfortunate what happened with the chain because that happening on your final lap of the race must have just been heartbreaking. You know, you've done all them laps and that and that happened. But no, I, I can't see him doing anything this season. Yeah, at the start of the season, I'd predicted Maverick would win a race. Um and now I'm wondering if Aprilia, uh, I think the Aprilia that I could see winning a race, if he ever finds some luck this season, could be Miguel Oliveira. And you have to feel for the man. He's had such an awful start to the season and none of it's his fault. He, The one race which he actually completed in, uh, the, the one full race he actually completed was in America. And I think he finished fifth in that. So he he's good on the Aprilia, it's shown. But Jack, it's just been disastrous really because he keeps getting taken out he dislocated his shoulder after his crash in Jerez. just something's got to change for Oliveira at some point surely yeah I mean that RNF team just seems to be full of bad <laughs> luck at the moment from, from since uh, Fabio and Frank and Frankie left the team but uh, yeah it's, it's annoying really because Miguel's been really he was really strong in Portimao he's the fastest Aprilia there he was the fastest Aprilia I think he scored the most points for Aprilia in, in Cota and he probably would have been the strongest Aprilia in Jerez had he not been taken out, but it's just he can't sort of write the bad luck he's getting at the moment and he's might have a suspected fractured left humerus as well, so it seems to be getting worse and worse for him, but hopefully he can rest up, come back whenever he can and I've no doubt he can win a race. I mean, we've seen how strong he was on the KTM and that KTM works, that Aprilia seems to have a better operating window, so it's good to hope for the best. Yeah, he um he finished fifth in the sprint race, so it showed he had the pace. And I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he challenged for the podium if he finished the main race, if he stops getting taken out by everyone. Um, He's 14th in the championship. Doesn't show where he should be, really, because I believe he would be higher. Alicia Spargo is 13th in the championship. So there is a big jump between Maverick and Alicia. And I know Alicia's crashed out quite a bit this season as well. And... Aprilia coming to this season, you'd think three of their four riders could win a race, maybe. And now you look at it as it's going on, and there's just there's just something that's maybe changed Aprilia, Jack. Would you 
agree with that, that maybe something's just not clicking with them this season with this year's bike? They've become the master of Fridays. I mean, that's twice mm. now. They've been 1-2 and it's like, oh, you're probably going to win this weekend and it comes yeah. to Saturday. And he, like, he even got pole, but still that wasn't enough to for him to maximise the results. So there's something missing with Aleish. I don't know what it is, but something missing. Especially compared to last season where, no matter where he was, the first half of the season, he was always getting podiums, top fives, and now he's making some small mistakes and he was first in the championship compared to being almost third last season. It's just a bit strange. Yeah. Another manufacturer. Strange season. Yamaha. Uh, again, Haref, a track that you sort of think of Yamaha when you think of Haref. You think of Rossi and Lorenzo and how good they have been around Haref in the past. Fabio as well in uh, 2020, the COVID year, absolutely dominated the weekend. But now they're in the main race, 10th and 11th. Yep, Fabio had two long lap penalties. Franco had one. I don't believe... Eve, I don't think any of their long lap penalties should have been given. The first two that they had, uh, that's a whole other issue that Freddie Spencer is just ruining the racing, really. They both racing incidents, I thought. Jack, what did you think of the two crashes the Yamahas had that gave them their long laps? Racing incidents? Uh, Frankie's, yeah. I thought he went for a gap and then unfortunately Alex Marcus just did not see him. And I just thought it was lucky. I think just lucky that Frankie managed to not get hit by anyone and yeah, and then the Fabio one, I could understand more, that one, because yeah. it seemed like he went for a gap that realistically he never would have fitted into, but it's mm-hmm. lap, lap one into turn two, you don't really know where anyone's breaking. So I thought the second one he got was a bit was quite stupid, the fact that he missed, he got given another long lap for going on the green when and the reason he was on the green was because he was checking to make sure he wasn't going to run into anyone. So, yeah. Yeah, Dawn, do you agree? Uh, both really. What, what did you think of the the Fabio crash, especially because, like like Jack just said, there it is understandable more why that one was given as a penalty because it was a gap that was you knew was going to close pretty much getting into that corner. But racing incidents, did you think the long laps were harsh? What what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're given a long lap penalty, yeah, to do it, but I I, I can't see why they have to be inch perfect. You're in a fast race. Your mindset, you've got to get back on that racetrack and get as many positions back as you can without looking down and trying to make sure you were, you know, I mean, obviously if you do it way out the lines, then fair enough. But no, and like Jack said, you could see he turned and he leaped to his left just to check that it was safe for him to pull out. And that's when he went onto the green. So, no, I think it's very harsh. Yeah, I think it's extremely harsh, for, especially his second one that he was given for. Um even the Peko one, I thought was harsh as well. The, it was for the movie made on Jack Miller, wasn't it? Going into the Danny Pedroza corner. Um, and then Jack Miller almost did the same thing to Jorge Martin going into the Lorenzo corner. And again, when you think of Jaref, you think of these massive battles we've had until the final corner. Duan Crivier, um, Rossi Gibbonau, Lorenzo Marquez. And it's almost like we're going away from that era of rubbing as racing. And we're now going towards you can't fight each other, otherwise you're going to get penalised. And Jack, I think I read something from Binder where he said that um, he sort of had in the back of his mind going into the final corner that he would get penalised if he did a too harsh of a move. Mm-hmm. Do you think the penalties that we saw this weekend are ruining the racing? Yeah, well, I mean, Paco, you know, he almost ruined Paco's race and 
you know, for him to lose by eight tenths or something like that to drop behind Jack and then having to repass him yeah. again and catch Brad back up, you know, that could have cost him a win. And if if he if he'd been the other way round with how close they were, I'm pretty sure Peck would have been really annoyed at that. But I just think you need to just let them get on. If there is a problem, like if the riders say, "Oh, I wasn't happy with that move," like Martin did with Miller, then you can sort of go to the riders and say, "Okay, you need to calm down." But I don't think there's any need to say you need to drop a position for a move that didn't really uh, warrant the penalty. I think it's dangerous as well when you have to drop a position. You're in that mid, you know, that front end battle, and all of a sudden you've got to slow down and think, "Oh, who's behind me? Where is he?" And to do that, I mean, you know, Peko did it perfectly, but that might not always be the case. I think that's a very uh, dangerous thing that they make them do. Yeah, you think of all the iconic moments we've had in the past with bike racing, especially, and you, you know, half of them are Rossi, where he used to get involved in some of the. Uh, which would definitely get him probably banned nowadays, half the stuff that they used to get up to. But you think of all the aggressive moves we've seen in the past that, okay, some borderline on dangerous when you look back on them. But like Rossi and Stoner at Laguna Seca, you think of that race, and there were some harsh moves thrown in there in 2008. Nowadays, they would have been black flagged immediately with how Freddie Spencer's going for it because that sort of racing at this point, we're not going to see again. And that was two giants at the time fighting hard for it and yeah it's it's a problem that needs to be fixed apparently freddie spencer has been summoned to speak to uh the official the officials that are above him at le mans so hopefully they'll give him a uh a, a talking to about that's quite funny that the head of the stewards has been summoned to uh to the principal <laughs> yeah well, you think even if even his in his day of racing, mm-hmm. they would have done the same thing. They yeah. were as bad as each other, and I think Cal Crutchlow's had it out for him before as well. And Cal got given that um, yeah. jump yeah. start in Argentina. <laughs> was it? I he, rolled, he rolled. He rolled six millimeters or so, six centimeters on the grid, but didn't gain any advantage from it. But I think he lost Cal, the stars. And I think Cal's response to Freddie was something like. Back in your day, you all used to jump the start anyway, so why does it matter? <laughs> and it, it, it's true, and uh, I don't believe someone who raced in the 80s should be the race director nowadays, is, is my thoughts on it. I don't know. Jack, do you what, what are your thoughts on Freddie Spencer, really, and how he's dealing with it? It's not been fantastic. It was just in, definitely in terms of consistency, but I think, remember Casey saying, like tweeting, saying it'd be better if you had a rider who was racing in the 2000s or the 10s like you know, like you could have KC or Ben Spees or some just people like this who fully understand what the racing's like nowadays and have an understanding of the pressure and the aerodynamics that they and all these different parameters they're going through compared to back in the eighties where it was five hundred two stroke, no sort of proper rules that like they have now. So I think they just need to try and get someone just a bit more modern who can understand better the psychology of now compared to 40 years ago. Yeah, Dawn, I don't know if you've seen what Ben Spees said on, on Twitter about it, but basically what Jack was just saying, sort of thing, that they need someone who understands it nowadays. What are your thoughts on the Freddie Spencer situation? Does he just need to change how he's dealing with it, or do we need a different race director now? I suppose he, he needs the opportunity to be given the chance to change and see what can happen, but 
it's like say all those great sporting moments the rossi lorenzo the rossi Gimenao. they they're sporting history and everybody will re-watch them races just for them bits because they're so good but in future in the future now you'll you know in 10 years time we look back on that race and well there was nothing quite like that because he took it from the racing so yeah i think something does need to be done and perhaps give him a few rounds and chances and if not put someone new in the place yeah i think uh at the end of the day that, that's all we can say really there's there's nothing more that can be done sort of thing it's all in the, the hands of the higher power really now and what happens and hopefully it gets sorted because the race was brilliant and it just felt like the penalties were thrown in and just destroyed the whole rhythm and destroyed battles that we could have had but anyway moving on from MotoGP, we'll talk about moto 2 something that i think we're all very happy with the result a result but maybe we need to start complaining about him every week and saying that he's going to lose his ride. Because I know I said that last week, that <laughs> if he carries on, then he'll be out of a ride. Sam Lowe's dominated the Moto2 race. It's the only way to say it. Dominated the weekend, really, you could say, especially with qualifying as well. Sam Lowe's actually won a race. <laughs> and I can't believe I'm saying that. He's, what is he now, fifth in the championship as well? Yeah, I'm not saying the championship challenge is on. I'm gonna, you know, not gonna get too excited about it, but Jack, incredible from Sam Lowe's, no? Yeah, like when he, when he set a four, you know, forty point seven in qualifying, and then he took the lead after lap one and cleared off into the distance at a pace nobody could match. It was just unbelievable. I was, like, I was worried he was gonna crash because we know what Sam can be like at times, but I was just in. I was just gobsmacked how, how fast he was. And then he had, like, Pedro after qualifying. He was, he was, when he found out he was half a second off pole, he was just really confused what who this rider was that set such a fast lap time. And it's just, I guess it just shows what Sam can do when he's in his element and he's got the full feel for the bike. He's not injured and all these different things that have been affecting him over the past couple of years. But a bit for Sam's sake, it would just be a big weight off his shoulders that he's finally proved himself. And that might be enough now to keep him in that, that team for the next year yeah Dawn Jack's just said it there when all the things sort of line up for Sam Lowe's he's in good health he's feeling good everything's going well for him he can put in for performances like that and I, I can imagine you're happy with the result I, I don't think there'll be a single Brit who I know Sam Lowe's has his haters but I can't believe there'll be a single Brit that's unhappy with it did you expect anything from Sam Lowe's really in her F what were your your thoughts coming into it after a disastrous circuit in the americas race yeah no not at all i mean when he sort of led on friday i thought oh, this is a bit promising we'll see how it goes and even he got such a good start in the race but you just kept thinking because you expected uh, tony arbolino to be doing what he was doing and uh, yeah but it, i'm really pleased for sam and hopefully this will give him the confidence he needs to believe in himself you could see um he was choked up on i think most of his interviews over the weekend because it just meant so much to him so hopefully this is the way forward for him. Yeah, this is his best result. His first win since the Emilia-Romagna round in 2021. Uh, and his best result since a third place at the German Grand Prix last year. And honestly, long may it continue for Sam Lowe's. I, I hope to be saying the same sort of things after Le Mans, uh, praising him. It might not be. We know how Sam Lowe's is, but... Fingers crossed for Sam now. And Jake didn't even put in a bad performance either. Going to throw Jake in there as well. A sixth place. He 
seemed really downbeat after America, after what happened to him on the um, warm-up lap. Jack, what did you make of, of Jake's weekend? Because he knew he couldn't challenge for the podium. He said that from the start. But a sixth place, solid solid points for his, his season? Yeah, you know, sixth place, that's solid points, same as the result he's got at Portimao. I think he'll just be annoyed at himself that he lost so many places at the on the opening laps because he saw it on the front row. If he could have just stayed in third, he might have been able just to latch, try and latch onto the back of um, Acosta and Lowe's. But sixth place beats better than obviously what happened in Texas. So, you know, it's another top six of every race so far. He's finished inside the top six, 10 points minimum. So I think he'll just take that and just try and bank on these points and just try and get his season back on track and keep going. Yeah, Dawn, both of our British riders, or two of the three, sorry, um, fifth and seventh in the championship. A, a decent start of the year from where they, they had, or especially for Sam, from where they had been after the first three rounds, sort of thinking it was going nowhere. Bit of a change now? Yeah, definitely. Like, they just need to be consistent and finish the races. You know, Everybody wants to win a race, but even if you're not on the podium, if you keep getting them points inside the top 10, it, you know, it brings you higher up into the championship. So, yeah, they've, they've made a good start. And it, yeah, I was pleased for Jake to get some decent points on the board this round for him. Yeah, I was I was very pleased for, for both of them. Uh, Rory Skinner as well, we'll give him a mention. Uh, finished in 24th again finished the race i was sort of expecting a little bit more from rory seemed like a bit of a rough weekend for the whole american racing team really but again finishing races that's all that matters really at this point keeping the experience going and you know hopefully it'll build on over the season um the rest of the podium in moto 2 pedro acosta in second the man we all had down for a, a, a win on our predictions in a way kind of annoyed he didn't win for our predictions very glad he didn't win for Sam Lowe's, but another good result for Pedro Acosta. The only rider that could really sort of closely match Sam on race pace. So, again, showing really promising things for if he goes to MotoGP in the future. I think it's more when he goes to MotoGP rather than if now at this point. Um, Alonso Lopez in third. The best result speed up I've had this year, Jack, is that? Yeah. Yeah, because they've had a pretty poor start to the season. I know he did also get second at Termas. Well, maybe, maybe he did, now you mentioned that. One of their best results, Will. <laughs> is, is best dry result. Yeah. Yes, their best dry result of the season. Um, hopefully it continues for him. He showed really good form last year at the end of the, the 2022 season. Um, Tony Arbelino in fourth. Uh, Canet in fifth. Jake in sixth. Sort of the usual suspects, you could say, to be up there. Um, just looking for at the championship now. Acosta and Arbelino still uh, tied on points at first. Moto 2's looking good uh, between those two. I'm hoping to see some more battles between those two now for the championship, fighting for first and second, like we got a Cota. Canet's in third. Uh, Alonso Lopez fourth. Sam in fifth. Salach in sixth. And Jake Dixon in seventh. So... Yeah, some good names up there in Moto2. Some that maybe at the start of the year you wouldn't expect with the likes of uh, Philip Salach up there as well. Um, Moto3, I guess, is the, the natural progression now. Um, and again, Ortola. He he doesn't like to make his weekends easy, is what I've noticed with Ortola. Had, a, had to go through Q1. Qualified front row, I think he put it up on the front row for the second place on the grid. Um, and then went on to win the race. Again, that's two race wins now. And honestly, 
couldn't be happier for him. It's going really well for him. Uh, gave us a really good race. A lot of Spaniards involved, which you sort of expected at the Spanish Grand Prix. They all love it. Um, David Alonso, uh, he, correct me if I'm wrong here, he was born in Spain, was he, and races under a Colombian flag? I'm, I think. Not, I'm not quite sure on the details, but I think he's definitely got part, half, I think half his family Spanish, half is Colombian, I think. Yeah. Not, don't quote me on it <laughs> born in madrid spain yeah. yeah so yeah from from spain races under a colombian flag fair enough first colombian podium maybe first i can think of in a while at least i can't think of yoni yeah, hernandez um yeah. there's another colombian i'm trying to think of but i can't quite did yoni ever get a podium i'm thinking he might have done that move too maybe yeah i'm trying to think what where he might have yeah, there's, I mean, I don't, there's a, in mind there's another Colombian rider, but I can't quite put my finger on who it is. Well, at the end of the day, it was a good result again from David Alonso. Rookie year, only 17 years old, I believe. Had a very good showing. Um, sorry, I'm just flicking through Yanni Hernandez's results. I can't see a podium in Moto2 or MotoGP, so that might be the first Colombian podium. Might be wrong. May be doing someone a disjustice here. Um, yeah, David Alonso, second place. Good for Gas Gas. Uh, Jamma Masia, third place for, for Leopard. Uh, did think he was going to win at one point. Sasaki had a great ride, storming through the field. Um, Dawn, I'm going to go to you for, for this because you normally put him down as a, a who you think is going to win the race. Then is Onchu. It's just not clicking together, and I thought it was at one point this weekend, and then the race came along, and it looked like he had a problem. I haven't seen anything to say he had a problem. Did do either of you know anything more about what happened to Dennis, or do we think it's just no, something went wrong? Like, yeah, it just doesn't seem to be happening yet. At the start of the season, I think I tipped him for the championship. He just doesn't seem to be able to get up in that little one, two, three front pack, you know, and, and if he does, he doesn't stay there. So, yeah, I think he needs to press the reset button a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, you did put uh, Onchu down for... I was just checking then to see what well, who he did have down as champion. Yeah, it's just not... He's jumped to the IO team. And I think, Jack, you may have said it last week that if you go to the IO team, you do really well or you sort of like sink, if that makes sense. And I hope that's not happening with Onchu because he's a good rider. He's talented. We've seen his talent. He's aggressive as well and he's fun to watch. Don't go to MotoGP though. You'll get penalised. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that. but no... He, it's just something's not clicking, but hopefully something will change. Um, we'll talk about the British rider. Scott Ogden, points again, 12th place. Once again, Jack couldn't be happier with his result. Uh, points seem to be pretty regular now for Scott. What are you making of his uh, sort of progression this season? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, that's probably, I think it's his best ride performance of his career so far. Unfortunately, for what I can tell you what he was saying, the parts where he was lacking is where you you need to do overtakes on the track. So that's something they just need to figure out on because the Honda, I feel like their Honda is still lacking in a couple of areas in terms of like maybe punch out the corner and maybe on the brakes just to try and aid him in overtaking. But in terms of time, you know, he's only like four and a half seconds off the win. So that's really strong. They just, I sort of just wish he was on a KTM really because that seems to be the bike you have to be on at the moment, especially on the Leopard Honda. And uh, and given his given his results here on uh, RF on a KTM in the junior classes, but um, yeah, strong strong uh, ride for Scott, and hopefully 
he can get a dry top 10 in the next couple of races because he's, he's showing the talent. That's the most important thing. He's showing he's got talent and speed. Just hopefully it all start to materialise soon, soon enough. Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, Scott's performances from last year, especially. This is his joint best dry performance in Moto3 um, with Haref from last year and uh, Silverstone as well so with 12 places there. So, oh, and and America last year as well. We got a, a 12th place. So, yeah, things are, do- are going well for Scott. He's making the progression. Um, he sits in 15th in the championship, just behind David Salvador and ahead of Mino. So he's with some experienced campaigners because Fanati's below him as well. Um, but yeah, things are going well. Um, Moto three still throwing him wild results, and the British boy of Scott's going going well in it. Josh Watley again just doesn't seem to be clicking for him, and just doesn't. It just yeah, it, it's hard to say with Josh what's happening. It was a better performance than in Kota. Probably still a bit knocked from what happened at Kota and probably didn't really know what happened with that. But yeah, we'll we'll move on from from MotoGP. We'll move to back to back to Britain. We'll look at Alton Park because BSB again threw in three different race winners uh, across the weekend. Dawn, um, you and Jack both said Tommy Bridewell would be the standout rider of the weekend, and in all honesty. I think you were right, really, from what I'm looking at here. Maybe Leon Haslam slightly a little bit more, but Tommy had a, a, a good weekend. One race, two, uh, top five in both the other races. Yeah, what did you make of Bridewell's performance this weekend? Oh, very well. And, and he's. I think there was always a question mark when he joined the PBM team, um, how he'd sort of slot in, how he'd be with everybody, because I think he's very an intense rider. He likes everything to be just so, everything's got to be right. But he just looks really happy, settled. And I think he knew in himself he'd, he'd got to make the move. He, you know, he'd been with Motor Rapido for so many seasons. So it's just going in all the right direction. And we were in part Fermi when he actually won uh, race two. And I heard someone said, you, uh, one of his crew chiefs, we knew it was going to come today. We knew it. So, yeah, I, I think he's in a really happy place at the moment. Yeah, he really does look like he is, and it's going well. Third in the championship, joint on points with Josh Brooks. Jack, you had Josh down as champion at the start yeah. of the season. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, decent weekend from Brooks. He slipped away a little bit in um, the uh, really on Monday. Sorry, I was going to say Sunday. It sort of slipped away a little bit after his really solid performance in in race one, but. Again, a decent weekend from Josh and the FHO team, really. What, what, what did you think of it? Yeah, I was, I was surprised on race one. I didn't think he'd hold on to the lead, but, you know, he's at a really consistent, fast pace at the front. And then in race two, unfortunately, I think he just went the wrong way in setup to race three. They went in the other direction and they found lap time. Unfortunately, that BMW just couldn't quite um, save its tyres like the guys in front of him could, but to get three solid points finishes and still be only four, you know, he's only four points off Glenn now in the championship. So with this condensed point system, it's all about the figure this is just picking up those consistent points finishes because you don't really gain much from one position in front of you. So big at the stage, just pick up the points because we sort of gain a, we've got like a set five riders at the moment who look to be the championship favorites. Yeah. Um, Glenn Irwin, championship leader, as you just mentioned, uh, another PBM rider 
doing really well. PBMR this season, picking up solid points. Glenn, third, second, and first. Made the natural steps throughout the weekend. Uh, kept going one step higher on the podium. That Honestly, PBM, they, they're back in business, I'd say now, after what was a poor a poor, um, a poor poor season last year with Sykesy and Brooks. Um, I'm glad to see it. Uh, Paul Bird brings a lot to BSB. I'm glad to see his team up there at the front. I don't think BSB would be the same without them because there was talks maybe at one point last season of them potentially dropping out. But I'm glad they're back. I'm glad they're fighting. Glenn Irwin as well, a rider who is very talented. He'll go to the road racing and probably do similar there again as well on, on Ducati. So, yeah, I'm glad to see him at the front. Yeah, you've said it. Five riders are going to be fighting for this championship now, it looks like. 18 points between the five of them. Glenn Irwin, Josh Brooks, Tommy Bridewell, Leon Haslam in fourth, and Kyle Ride in fifth. Um, those other two names there, Leon Haslam and Kyle Ride, Dawn, they had solid weekends as well. Kyle, it, he built on it throughout the weekend as well, got a podium in the, the final race of the weekend. What what, what was your thoughts on uh, Kyle, especially with his progress through the weekend? Yeah, I expected him to start a little bit sharper, but like I say, he, he built up and built up, probably changing settings on the bike over to get something he was comfortable. But he rode really well in race three, and you could really see he was catching them and catching them. And perhaps a few more laps, he might have even got higher on the podium, but he got the bit between his teeth, did what he needed to do, and he was fast in race three. Yeah, he really was. Um, Leon Haslam as well, podiums in... Was it every race? Yeah, every race he was on the podium. Uh, a second, a third, and a second. I did think he was going to win a race. There were times where I was thinking that the race win was on. Uh, he was my pick for the championship, so I'm really happy to see uh, Leon up there and, and fighting at Alton, and hopefully that will continue. One rider we should talk about, who I'm convinced will definitely hate Alton Park more than he already did at the end of last season, Jason O'Halloran. It's really not going well uh, at Alton, especially. He had he was okay at Silverstone, but not been the start of the season he'd want. He is currently, where is he in the championship? Seventh in the championship, uh, just above Jack Kennedy. And Jack, what, can, what more can you say about Jason's weekend than it just wasn't great? <laughs> yeah, I mean... He probably would have, if I can race one, he probably would have just got fourth place. I don't know where he would have finished, obviously, in on Monday. But it's just, I don't know what's happened. But ever since he got that treble win in 2021 in the opening round of the season, from then on, Alton Park has just been an absolute, apart from maybe the May, the May Bank holiday one last season where he just got about three seventh places or something like that. It's just been an absolute nightmare for him. He just can't seem to, to get a break <laughs> when he comes to Cheshire. don't know why, but. Just classic O'Halloran bad luck, it seems. Yeah. Um, yes. It's an, what, what did he get in race three? Because he crashed out of race one yeah, and race two. I think he just stabbed Storm and Dean Harrison at the end. Ah, uh, yeah. Two other riders I want to talk about as well. Storm Stacey and Dean Harrison. Good weekends for both of them on the Kawasaki. Really stood out. I think even to the commentators brought him up a lot. Storm Stacey qualified on the front row for race one in a, in a wet qualifying session. Uh, finished ninth where did he finish it? I didn't finish race two after he got collided with I can't remember who, who? Yes, but yeah. Ah, he, yeah he did something to his exhaust and he couldn't mm. carry on 
yeah you could see the exhaust was a, yeah. a very bad angle from yeah. how it should be and the final race 11th place so really solid results from from storm stacy really after not great start to the year at silverstone um good solid points puts him where is he in the championship I, there he is 15th yeah i was looking straight at him and I, I just didn't see him then um yeah 15th in the championship for storm making good progress hopefully it continues because he's a talented rider and he's just shown it at alton park it's, but it it seems with bsb it's all about qualifying now and if he can keep you know getting some decent qualifying results hopefully it'll go up there and hopefully he'll uh, attract the attention of some uh better funded teams than where he is but no good weekend good round um any other riders that stood out to you guys for the right or the wrong reasons throughout the weekend in i feel like peter should have had a very strong weekend but he just made one fatal error in race two so when i heard he went down and i watched it back i was sort of like questioning why out of all the right he was with tommy bragwell out of all the riders to try and get aggressive at the start Tommy notoriously isn't the greatest of starters. So usually if you if you, it's a one-on-one battle with Tommy and your bike's easy enough to get off the line, nine times out of ten, I'd say you probably beat Tommy. But Peter went straight straight into turn one way too hot and lost the front. And he could have definitely easily won that race. He was really strong. And it just seems like, I don't know it's just, whether because Josh is doing, doing so well and he's trying to prove himself to himself and the team that he's stronger or what, but. Peter's just struggling at the moment to put in the really good results. Mm. Dawn, anyone stand out for, to you for wrong or right reasons throughout the weekend? Um, Lee Jackson again. Uh, he's ninth in the championship. I think he was getting inside mm. the top ten. So uh, you could say he's had a, probably a bit of better round. But there again, he's always been a strong at um, Alton Park. That's when he got his first race win. So, yeah, I'm hoping he can sort of keep pushing in you know, fighting for a podium. I'd like to see Lee up there a bit more. One thing I will say is I was really surprised by the pace, the actual pace of the, of the races. It's very slow, you know, all of them. Cause when you watch, mm. when you look at the pace of last year, they were doing 30, like high 33s in the races and it dropped to low 34s. Whereas this year, they could bet, I think they only got 34.5. So the ironic thing is Josh, Josh Brooks, if you took his lap, his race times from the sprint race of last year, he would have been faster. He wasn't the BMW. <laughs> so it's all it's a it's a very strange concept at the moment. It's like trying to understand what's sort of going on because the pace has really dropped. So we'll have to wait till Donington. But if the pace has dropped there again, it'd be interesting to just try and find out why the pace is so slow. Yeah, because Josh said on the the grid, I think it's a race two that um. His pace was a lot slower from last year and they don't know why and they just assume it's the track conditions. Maybe Alton weren't playing ball this weekend and maybe that's why. But yeah, it was... But still, I mean, it was good racing. That's that's all I can say. I enjoyed watching it from home and uh, I hope it continues for the rest of the year and I hope to see the five that we currently have fighting for the championship sure. stay fighting all year long. Um, we'll have a look at Supersport. We'll, we'll touch on that championship real quick. Um, Tom Bufamos really stood out to me this weekend, uh, a first and a fourth place. Obviously, the, uh, Richard Cooper took part and, again, did Richard Cooper things and finished second in both races on uh, on his 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 ride. And um, 
She's looking at who was third in the other ones. Ah, Luke Jones and Ben Curry took third place in the other two races with Luke Stapleford winning race two. Uh, Jack, what were your thoughts on the Supersport races throughout the, the weekend and the, the fighting at the front? Yeah, race one was just wet and... Uh... But Corey was unlucky not to win, having a massive moment into Lodge. But Tom Buffemos did a great job holding off. Cooper is notoriously good in the wet conditions. In the dry, it was a massive pack. And I was really surprised at Stapleford. I'm, I'm not surprised Stapleford won because we know how good he is on a super sport bike. But come from, I think, maybe the sixth row or something like that to come through there and win the race was very impressive. Yeah, the, uh, the yeah, super sport still just throwing in the, the the fight for the championship a bit like Superbikes. Um ah, Lee Johnston still leads the championship. Something that I I didn't know and I wasn't expecting after his weekend. I didn't think he had a a particularly special weekend this uh on part. No, crashed out of the first race and sixth in race two. So I'm quite surprised to see him still up there. Tom Buffemos one point behind. Ben Curry two points behind Lee. Risa win 10 points behind and Luke Stapleford 17 points behind Lee. So it's, again, it's close to Supersport like it is in Superbikes. Uh, Dawn, you were there with McAdam Racing. How was uh, their weekend compared to, to Silverstone? Yeah, no, we didn't have a, such a good round this round. Uh, it was really from the off. Both riders were really struggling for grip um, on the Saturday. And Sunday. Even, on Sunday. On Sunday, yeah, yeah. on the first day. No, they were fast on the first day. Oh yeah, sorry, I was so confused with the bank holiday. Yeah, it started off okay, but um, like I say, on the Sunday, they just grip. It just wasn't there for them. And um, we spoke to Tom, and he actually said he was just feeling a little bit of lack of confidence in the tyres. So uh, we didn't really expect sort of too much from them in the sprint race. And then on the Monday morning, Tom was feeling really confident. He got the pace and. His aim was to just fight through the pack to just to get that podium or even a win. But fortunately, he lost the back end at Cascades. He doesn't really know what happened. It was just one of them strange crashes, whether he hit a bump or something. So, But luckily, he was okay. And the bike wasn't too badly damaged. So press the reset button, ready for the Donington Park. Yep, and I'm sure they, they probably will be up there at Donington as well, uh, if conditions stay well, especially where at Silverstone. So, yeah. Yeah, we could see the McAdam boys up at the up at the front once again in Donington. Uh, so I'm just looking through now at anyone else who caught my eye. I didn't really get to see much of Super Sport. Is there anything that uh, any riders that caught your attentions throughout the the weekend of who you thought should have done better or worse? I'm just looking. I think it's just it, you can still say it's pretty open, but you mm. it's who you expect to sort of be at the yeah. the front. But Reese Irwin um, had another good weekend. Yeah. He's currently fourth in the championship because yeah, you just know he's dropping the wheels off that Suzuki. So, yeah. He's yeah. Doing well. Uh, we might as well look at the. Uh, there was only one super stock race this weekend, wasn't there? The... Yeah. Yeah, one. Uh, we'll have a, a quick look through at that. Uh, with Dan Linfoot taking victory in that uh, from. Richard Kerr and Franco Bourne. Again, Franco Bourne, we said it uh, before after Silverstone. Jack, me and you spoke about it at that time. Really just <laughs> not where we expected him to be and now it's sort of uh, fighting at the front. What did you make of his his race at uh, Alton Park? Yeah, solid. I mean, he, he was leading on to the last lap, but 
I think just that lack of experience cost him the, the win because he just he's still understanding how to look after the tyre and Silverstone isn't the greatest of places to fully understand that but I think to get another podium to extend I think he's still the championship lead so it might be down the foot now but, but yeah very strong opening um, two rounds for Franco yeah Franco Bond does still lead the championship uh, only by two points from Limfoot but doing well um before we speak about any other riders i want to talk about Sealy and Olsen. we spoke about it briefly before we started recording i want to talk about it um i i mm, i know they've both been penalized for it uh for what happened after their their crash and what happened in the gravel um they had they decided to have a boxing fight really the two of them and um i yeah two grown men with helmets on and full levers hitting each other I I really don't know, sort of, it's just the adrenaline, I guess, that goes through them at the time, but I don't understand it, and it always makes me laugh when I watch it, and I told you guys before that I could see him walking over, and I was like, he's going to hit him, you could see from the body language, um, it shouldn't happen, but still, found it entertaining, so that was another thing to throw in there, um, but no, good, good racing all around, Dawn, anyone stand out to you in the Superstock class? just Dan Lumford really because like you say with his age and everything and, and I think at the start of the season he said he was only going to go in the championship to to mentor a few people and set a few examples and everything and there he is doing what he's doing so yeah hats off to him he's doing a great job yeah he really is and second in the championship one point behind wouldn't be surprised if that continues with his his age and experience like you've said so yeah wouldn't be surprised to see him up there um just about wraps up everything from the the BSB categories really on what we needed to to talk about. Um, we'll have a quick mention of World Superbikes this weekend. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the the Bautista um, conference, the press conference that's happening this weekend that you both brought to my attention before this. Jack, what do you think it's going to be? Bautista press conference. What's he going to announce? It's either, in my mind, it's either retirement, contract extension, or a MotoGP wildcard or test. So it'd be one of those three things. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the final two. I don't want it to be him retiring because to see him so strong as he is and probably is going to win the championship unless something goes horribly wrong. But the team riding as well as he is, I just like him to keep going because I've no doubt he'll do the exact same thing next year. I'll at least, you know, be still be fighting at the front so we'll just have to wait and see and hope he isn't retiring but if he's retiring then just as long as he's happy I'll, I'll be fine with that as well Dawn what are, what are you expecting from the special Alvaro Bautista press conference as it's been titled yeah because I think if he was um, I, I really hope he's not retiring and I don't think he is because he's just doing so well and he looks so happy so um, I'm going all out, and I think he might be perhaps doing a MotoGP wildcard ride. Yeah, they've said that he's going to do most likely a MotoGP test at some point. I can't remember where they said that would happen. Like Aragon or Catalonia. Yeah, it's Spanish. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised at that. But yeah, I think there's, there's going to be more to it than just a, a, the test sort of thing. So like you've said, Jack, I think it's going to be one of those free options. And... Uh, there, there is part of me that thinks he could just call it a day. Like, he's probably going to become two-time World Superbike champion. 
so I wouldn't be surprised if he just goes, that's it, sort of thing. I want to spend time with my, my family now because I think he has quite a young family. Um, but I wouldn't like to see that, really. I'd, I'd like to see him continue, even if it's just one more year. But that's the... Who... Do we, I'm just sorry, I'm just looking at an article as well at the same time at who called the, the conference. Ah, okay, Ducati announced the press conference. So yeah, I, I don't think Ducati would announce it if he was going to retire. I think Bautista would call it. Um, so yeah, I think out of the three options, it's most likely going to be that he stays with Ducati even just for one more year. So yeah, to announce that at Catalonia, wouldn't be surprised. One of his home races. Still leading the championship. What are we expecting going into this weekend, guys? Uh, Jack, what are you what are you thinking for Superbikes this weekend? Well, I have looked at the weather. It's going to rain on Sunday, <laughs> apparently. I have to wait. I have to wait and see. But even if it does rain, part maybe in this, if it does rain in sprint race, it could maybe see Ray winning in that one. But if it's dry, if, even if it's raining in a long race, Bautista's going to completely wipe the floor of all of them, especially in the dry. I don't see them. In the long race, I'll be very surprised if the person in second place is less than 10 seconds behind him. So you're going for a, a full Bautista? No one will, after five, maybe after lap 10, they won't even know where he's gone. He'll be in a different postcode. Um, Dawn, what are you expecting from Superbikes this weekend, a Bautista triple? Yes, definitely. All three for me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to yeah. back you both on that. I don't think there's any other way that you can look with how he's been riding and he'll have extra motivation, especially if he announces he's staying again for another year. Um, Super Sport, what are you expecting? Dawn, we'll go We'll go to you first. What are you thinking of yeah. Super Sport? I think Bugalega, I think. I think he's going to just continue his form. Um, yeah. And look at my asses in for Onchu. So... Yep quite interesting to see you know he's always been quite a front runner in the latter years so looking forward to see what he can do yeah i uh yeah i think bulliger probably will be up there and myas has been good in uh, the super sport class before so yeah i'd like to see him there jack what uh what are you thinking with super sport exactly the same i think maybe um caracasulo or uh Schrotter maybe could um, be up there as well, but I'm thinking because Myas's last Supersport race he won, beating Locatelli, and Locatelli was really strong that season. And if Myas can get quickly get the same feeling with the bike that he had before, no doubt he'll be a race-winning contender. Manzi, it's all about qualifying and just getting a good start for him because it seems like he always has the pace to win, but for some reason it never materializes for one reason or another. But I think they're the guys you have to look out for yeah the uh the usual suspects then for for who did it help for in super sport um yeah as far as race winners go i want to go different again and say booliger won't but he's just been so dominant it's gonna be it's a track he knows well as well like assen oh, i'm going for my usual booliger one manzi the other that's my my usual call i'm sticking with it it's always been wrong but might as well keep going for it and one day hopefully it'll be correct um i think that's pretty much everything covered for for this week of what's what's been happening uh we'll be back next week for talking about the most likely about easter triple in in super bikes and a booliger double in super sport once again um 
thank you all for joining us. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media, Highside News, on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure to follow all of our social medias as well. They'll all be linked below. Thank you very much and goodbye.